In this episode, we'll be covering agriculture mechanics, different teaching methods, and some fun stories. Hello and welcome to Talk Ag to Me. This is Talk Ag to Me, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe, and I'm your host, Brendan Black. This is our first official episode back after our long hiatus, so I hope you're all excited for it. In this episode, I had the opportunity to be on the podcast of actually one of my teachers from Fresno State, Chris McKenna, and we decided to do a guest exchange, so uh, we actually use his episode for my show as well. Uh, So him and his uh, co-host, actually my current uh, ag mechanics professor, John Williams, uh, both were on my show. Uh, and I was on theirs. Again, this is the same episode from their show. So if you listen to uh, my episode on their show, this is the exact same conversation. But we had a great talk about agriculture mechanics, different teaching methods, and they told some fun stories about their experiences in teaching agriculture. So it was really fun. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have a video to go along with this episode, and I haven't quite gotten down the animation thing yet. So uh, enjoy some cover art while we go through this episode. Uh, but I hope you all enjoy and uh, don't forget to go check out their podcast, Safety Glasses Required. I'll link it down in the description so you can go check it out. And uh, if you haven't already, go and uh, check out my episode on their end. It'll be the same thing as this one, but just so you have uh, given them both the attention that they so uh, they so very much deserve. So thank you once again. I hope to catch you in the next one and enjoy the episode. <laughs> this is going to lead it. I have a joke. So John Williams here, Chris, and we have a special guest, uh, Brendan Black. How's it going? Yeah. So I'm going to start us off with a joke, okay? Or I don't know if it's a joke, but kind of dad humor. But it says, benefits of a good vocabulary. So, I recently called an old engineering buddy of mine and asked what he was working on these days. He replied that he was working on an aquathermal treatment of ceramics, aluminum, and, and steel under a constrained environment. And so the guy says, I'm... I was impressed until upon further inquiry, I learned that he was just washing dishes with hot water under his wife's supervision. (laughs) (laughs) Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of a terrible dad joke. I thought it was funny. You laughed. Am I laughing at it or am I laughing at you? I don't know. Yeah, let's see. Either way, you've got to laugh. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Reminds yeah. me of uh, uh, Mr. Maderis back at Tulare. He used to, when he was teaching us about resume building and stuff, teaching you like try and talk yourself up, use fancy words for for small jobs. And so he told us when he was in college, he was a, uh, a social chemist when he was a bartender. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell me, don't tell me he taught you the word magnanimous too. He did. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> Maderis he, and magnanimous. He worked at McClintock's. Did he? Yeah, he was yeah. a bartender, though, but he was a bartender. Yeah. yeah. And so anytime you talk about San Luis Obispo, it's about Cal Poly and the <laughs> talks. That's the only uh, thing you'll ever hear from him. Yeah. yeah I, I used fancy words when I was working out in the orchard here on my resume. I said I was uh, involved in weed abatement. Hmm. Yeah. It's I not, just sprayed weeds. It's and... not a fancy word. <laughs> it sounds fancy. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, when, I, when I put, because I used to help out my sister's horse ranch, I, I put I was an uh, equine caretaker when I just cleaned pens. Yeah. So. Not, I guess not fancy, but it sounds, yeah. Yeah, you so know, it, it sounds more prestigious than yeah. what it is. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. You talk to certain people in society and you say, I spray weeds. So they, you know, ah, chemicals, whatever. But you say, I work at weed abatement. Right. Oh, yeah, what's right. that entail? Yeah, we, we, you know, 
you know, we mm-hmm. remove weeds orchard, from. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, magnanimous. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so Brendan, I well now I know. I was going to ask you where you're from, but uh, you're from Tulare. I am. Yep. I I was first introduced to Mr. McKenna here back uh, my freshman year high school, right before he left us. Uh, But uh, that did did, did sound a little sad, didn't it? (laughs) You know, my my, my brother had him as a teacher. I grew up hearing all these great stories. I never got to experience it until I came to Fresno State. So I was. It came full circle. It came full circle. It kind of worked out. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, born and raised in Tulare. I was raised, you know, all around cows my whole life. So I mean, I'm more of an animal science kid. But uh, my my dad and, and my brother are big mechanics guys. So I always grew up around the mechanics side of things too so i uh, didn't quite have the the skill level of they did i was always more on the living th- living th- side of things but uh, uh i've always in, you know always been around ag so, so ca- like dairy or mostly dairy and beef um but i i you know i've done a little bit of both um so you are an ag ed major i am be yeah. a teacher. that's that's the plan and, and I, I take your animal science emphasis that that is my my emphasis yeah what what year are you in uh, I technically should be in my last year. I was supposed to graduate next semester, but I started my minor kind of late, so it's going to be next fall now. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm in my last little, last little uh, spurt here. A minor in um, uh, mass communication journalism. Okay. Yeah. Just in case I wanted to do some some more of the podcast stuff on the side, I can have that background for it. Get some get some more practice. <clears throat> so I don't think we've mentioned it though yet, but. Uh, Brendan does do a podcast as well, and uh, the title of that podcast is uh, Talk Ag to Me. Yep, I've been doing it for three and a half years now, and it's all dedicated to ag education. A little bit different than what you guys do here, though, and uh, it's not so much focused on the classroom setting as it is on having conversations with people that don't come from ag backgrounds and teaching them about what they're missing out on in the ag industry. So he's got way more experience. That, that's what that means, Johnny. Than so, we do. Uh, <laughs> so give you a little plug. You're on Spotify and I am. Yeah, those. anywhere you can find podcasts: Spotify, okay. Apple Podcasts, Google, um, Overcast, all all those. So okay, so you bring up a good point um, or a good topic that we you know really get to lead us off on uh, is ag literacy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how many of your listeners have? You know, I don't know if, if any, but have reached out and say, hey, I didn't know about this and this is great and, and things like that. So do you have any interaction with any of your listeners and, and things like that as far as outside of ag people? You know, I, I, was, I was hoping to have a little bit more by now, but I have gotten a surprising amount of, of people reach out and say, hey, you know, I didn't know this is really interesting. Um, of all things, not even because of the podcast, um, it was because I started a TikTok for the podcast that I was using to promote episodes. And in one of those uh, one of those promotions, I was talking about the difference between like a bull and a cow and a steer and a heifer and all that kind of stuff. And somehow it blew up. I mean, got like like uh, 1.8 million views or something like that. Like ev- all like completely <laughs> out of nowhere. Told you he's big time. Man. <laughs> <laughs> and and since then I haven't gotten like any views on any of my other videos. But um, no, I mean I had like hundreds of comments within a couple of days of people asking questions of people wanting me to do more videos on different stuff. So um, and it's all like you know I was expecting you know like the the dumb kind of questions you get sometimes where people are just trying to poke fun at you. But re- they're like really like you know genuine questions like how does this work? I've always been curious about this. You know what like uh, I. I have some friends who are involved in ag, but I've always been scared to ask them. You seem very approachable. How do I go about this? Like, you know, very in-depth, like, questions about the industry that I wasn't even aware people had an understanding of. And then on the podcast side of things, I haven't had people so much engage 
on, from like the audience perspective, but from guest perspective, I've had actually uh, guests recommend other guests to me that have come on and, and they've asked me questions. And that's always kind of my policy is like, if you have a question, let's come on the show and talk about it. That way I can explain it to you in, in more depth than just like a comment can, can get you. Um, but I have had some people come on that have had like some very kind of like out of left field questions I wasn't expecting from some, from somebody who doesn't have that kind of background. And like, it's more than just, Hey, can we trust GMOs? And is organic really that, you know, that good for you or, you know, stuff like that. There's that too, but it's like, you know, what are, where are the deeper, you know, what's the deeper implications of like vertical farming and like, what kind of technology can we see over the next few years? And like stuff that I'm like, I didn't even know you guys knew that was a thing. I'm kind of impressed. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we have a misconception of what most people view you know, ag as, you know, because I would think like, yeah, you're just going to ask the GMOs and, you know, like antibiotics. And, right. You know, it's pretty traditional type questions, you know, or organic versus traditional farming type stuff. Yeah. That's um, interesting. In my experience, that was kind of like the big eye opener for me when I switched from, because uh, I used to interview just producers, um, you know, uh, growers from like the Tulare area. I actually got some people from Texas that, that came up and talked to me about like their, uh, they do like a, like a dairy consulting company. So they talked to me a little bit about that. I was trying to cover industries that aren't talked about as much in, in you know, the, the general ag conversations, uh, you know, like, like consulting and like construction, like, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and in my experience from switching over to the non-ag side of things, People are not only a lot more knowledgeable in ag than I thought they were, but they're a lot more curious about it too. Like I was fully expecting like nobody to listen to it. People were just gonna be, you know, very against it. They were gonna be like, you know, why are you talking about this? Like I, I'm like almost like they're gonna trust Facebook more than more than the farmer kind of situation. And I was really surprised. A lot of them came on there like, hey, I have a lot of questions about this. Could you, you know, would you mind talking to me about it? And like I would talk to them for a while, and they were like, you know, thanks for for educating me. I've been looking for this information. I can't find it everywhere I go. They tell me this. I know it's not true. Like. People are surprisingly eager to learn about ag. They just don't necessarily have the best platforms to learn it from. Yeah, you know, you think about society as a whole, you know, and, and when that, it's funny because you said you were minoring in, in MCJ. Mm -hmm. And I took, uh, at one point during my 10 years in undergrad, <laughs> <laughs> I was an adcom major mm. for a little bit, um, and I took an MCJ class. And at that time, it was before... I think Facebook had just barely started and where you had to be a, a college student to join. And mm. MySpace was out there, but it wasn't, uh, none of it really took off yet. Uh, but at that, that time, they said like 75% of Americans got their news information from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> wow. That's a and now, it, now it's Facebook. <laughs> yeah. now it's Facebook or, or social, social media. media yeah. Stuff like that. So. <laughs> You know, we always talk about in, in ag ed and, and how do we reach out and stuff. And when Facebook and all that stuff was really kind of taking off when we first became teachers, they're like, oh, you know, you guys need to have a chapter page and all that. Mm -hmm. Like, no, I'm not going to open that up. Not... That, was a, that was a can of worms that you did not want to yeah, touch. Yeah, right? <laughs> you were like, no, um, we do not. Yeah. But now it's almost to a point I don't have social media. I get a lot of my social media stuff from Chris. Um, mm -hmm. Because Chris always forgets I don't have social media. He says, hey, did you see this? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it can be a, a very powerful tool mm -hmm. in a sense of, of bridging that gap in ag literacy and, and where we have issues of people in society not understanding um, things. All you know, and we we look at uh, example. Do you know about Prop 12? Oh yeah. Okay, so we're going. We have a, a call out right now. Uh, a statewide like hey we need to email CDFA because we we need to figure out a way so that it doesn't end or really make showing animals um, 
it could potentially cause it to to, to kill that whole aspect hmm. of, or of, at least uh, dwindle program. it down mm-hmm. so it's that uh, you know having a good understanding because we get regulations and laws that come in and and the wording in those on our ballots tend to be very biased and so people who don't understand they okay yeah i you know i don't you know sows can't be in a in a, in a, uh, a small place so yeah i'm gonna vote you know yes on mm-hmm. making sure that you know these cows have their i mean not these cows these sows have the space that they need and they they just don't understand that the, the purpose of like a pharaoh and crate and things like that is to protect the piglets not necessarily you know, so it's all about animal husbandry and, and, and taking mm-hmm. care of our animals. And so we, we do have an issue, big issue, with ag literacy. And I'm glad people are reaching out and saying, hey, thanks for educating me and things like that. I think that's very important that um, our last episode we talked about open-mindedness and, in, mm-hmm. in uh, you know, just ag teaching. But in general, I think people have, we, we have an issue of closed-mindedness amongst society. Mm-hmm. We're just getting like a tunnel vision and, yeah. and really like, you know, not seeing, you know, what people's questions really are, right. you know, like, like, you know, Brennan's getting, that's, I don't know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm surprised that, that there are questions like that from non-ag people. I, I really am. I was too, like, now I'm to the point where I almost like, I'm not, expect not it. expected, but like, yeah, <laughs> like, I almost like go into every conversation with like the idea of like, okay, they I'm going to at least that. assume that they know something, right. you know, because when I first started, I'm going to admit I came off a little condescending. The first couple episodes, I had people on and I was like, all right, we're going to play a little game. Uh, what's the difference between accountable? You know, just like stupid questions like that, because I wanted to see where their knowledge was at before I started getting into a conversation about something heavy. And like they, they were good sports about it. And they're actually, you know, the, the first couple of guests are still good friends of mine that I brought back a couple weeks ago. Um, but they were very like. You know, they were so much higher than I, I expected them to be that I like just stopped doing that after a few episodes. I was like, that it seems like kind of a, <laughs> not, not, not a very nice way to approach having these conversations. <laughs> I can't keep asking people, you know, if they know what what you know that chocolate milk doesn't come from brown cows, because right. then they kind of look at me like I'm stupid. Like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I don't think you realize there's a lot of people who don't know that. Yeah. And no, I I've, I've been very very caught off guard. But to you know to your point about the about Prop 12, it, another thing that I've noticed when it comes to having those conversations with people is that if you apply the kind of practical knowledge which you guys should know plenty about, you know that your entire class is based off practical knowledge, um, it helps people kind of resonate with the information a lot more. So like in the same way that you know you guys teach about uh, you know skills that you can apply to your everyday life, whether it be, you know, wiring for, for circuitry or whether it be, you know, fixing a sprinkler or, you know, like that kind of stuff, you know, whenever I talk to people about like Prop 12 or some of this legislation, if I say, hey, you just voted on something that's going to make sure we don't have bacon for who, who knows how long and the bacon we do have is going to be through the roof. And they're like, oh, well, why? And I explain, okay, well, this is what this actually means. This means that states aren't going to do business with us because of this. You know, I go through all the logistics of it and they're like, that makes so much more sense. I wish they would have said that on the thing when we voted on it. I'm like, that's the problem. <laughs> but no, it's something about like having, you know, if you just talk to them like, you know, like they're people, like not like how I was doing it at the beginning. <laughs> so what he's but, saying is he was an asshole. Gonna, oh my gosh. Gonna beat that no, out. He's writing it down. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean like as soon as you, you as soon as you apply the, the part of it that matters to them, then they're like, oh, well, I, if I would have known that, I wouldn't have voted on it. We tend to have a, um, I think in, in in agriculture we tend to have it, uh, a sense of arrogance, mm-hmm. especially when we think, oh, you know, we feed the world, and and then they, we, you know, farmers do. Um, 
But I think the one thing that agriculture has struggled with is, is reaching out to those places that don't see ag every day. You know, mm. we don't, if you're living in the, in the center of Los Angeles or, you know, in San Francisco and stuff like that, you got to go out a ways to be able to see that stuff. And so, you know, we, we in ag and ag ed, to be honest, and um, need to be a little bit better as far as being in that area. And you go back in history, you know, San Francisco, Never had an ag program. None of their high schools have ever had an ag program. Some of like Oakland and Richmond and, and some of those have had ag programs in the past. But, you know, look in the city of Fresno, not one <clears throat> school in Fresno Unified. Well, Duncan. Uh, Sunnyside just started, but for Does the longest time did not have an ag program in the last five years. Um, we had Duncan Pauley there for a while, but the largest school district in the number one ag county in the state didn't have didn't have an act program. I mean, you go, you know, L.A. is back and forth, and, and prior to and, and before your time, but uh, Prop 13, which protects our um, property taxes. Prior to that, L.A. Unified had the number one CTE program in the state and had the most ag programs in the state. Wow. Okay, but you also got to think back, and this was 80s, early 80s, uh, the population shift from then to there. Because you go back 1950, do you know what the number one ag County in, this, in the country was? Mm, Orange County, maybe? No? Yeah. That oh, was yeah. before Disneyland. Really? Yeah. Huh. Wow. And Orange County had a lot of ag. And yeah. The, the per- a lot of dairies. A lot of dairies. Huh. Um, east part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Orange County gets the name because of the orange groves. And right. Disneyland was originally built on 40 acres of, of an orange um, orchard and stuff like that. And so population shift, and, it, and you know, that's what we're seeing here in the Central Valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a population shift. We've got a lot of people moving here because cost of living is down um but we we're, we're running into this literacy issue and we, we got to figure out as an industry how do we combat that how do we educate and i think that some of the things that you're doing um is really good mm-hmm. as far as that aspect of it well, i think it's exactly you know especially hitting like social media stuff and mm-hmm. you know doing like tiktoks and and whatnot like that's definitely like a younger generation <laughs> of people you know not to say that older people can't be on tiktok <laughs> but you know I just, definitely it's think more of a younger, younger generation thing. Yeah, you know, I don't even really know what TikTok is. <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys videos. definitely need to TikTok. That'd be entertaining. As I, I do have one, actually. <laughs> do you? Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. No, but I mean, like, I think that that's one of the biggest things that I've noticed. Because um, when I started my podcast, one of the biggest reasons I started it was because uh, that was around the time that I had, just a, I had just decided I wanted to be an ag teacher. And I wanted to learn more about the career, and I didn't like. I, I talked to my own ag teachers about it, obviously, but you know, ag teachers are always going to sell you more on their job. They're like, oh yeah, because we need more ag teachers. You should be an ag teacher. I wanted to get some more, you know, like other perspectives on it, and so. I was looking for podcasts about ag education. I couldn't find any. I mean, maybe there were some back then, but I mean, the only podcasts I could find were uh, The Future of Ag, which I'm, I'm not sure if you guys have heard of that. It's uh, Tim Tim Heydrich, I think is his name. Uh, great guy. I've, I've talked to him you know, a few times. He is one of the largest ag podcasts there is. Um, and then like some of the like, ag like news report type podcasts, but that was it. It was all like industry stuff and markets, and like that was all they were talking about. Um, so I was like, you know what? If nobody else is going to do it, then I'll start my own. And at this time, I knew, like, next to nothing about ag ed, so I did basically learn from from scratch, and I, you know, had a lot of mishaps. But, um, no, I, I once I, I kind of got my feet going and I, so I kind of started getting into the role of doing the episodes, after a couple of years, I started noticing little ag ed podcasts pop up 
everywhere. I mean, now there's tons of them, which is awesome. I think that's, you know, that's exactly what needs to happen. But as I'm talking to them, I'm starting to realize that they're going through the same steps that I went through where they're like starting talking to just growers and they're like, well, maybe this isn't quite the direction we need to go to. Maybe we should try reaching out to some other people. And like, they're going like the, the high school route, they're talking to, to students and then they're going to like, you know, the, the just out of college route. Like they're trying all these different avenues and I'm kind of laughing. So I'm like, you know, it's, if we would all just, you know, get together for five seconds and be like, hey, been there, done that, can we try something else? We, we might be able to, to tackle a lot more ground and, and cover a lot more, you know, people who, ha- who need to hear it. I mean, I think the podcasts that don't directly address the people who aren't in ag are great. You know, I think that we definitely need them. But there's got to be somebody having those conversations too. You know, we, we basically just need a conversation on every level about it if we're going to get it tackled at all. Did you listen to our podcast? Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to a few episodes last night. I like to prep before every before every interview. But so you barely started listening to it last night. Yes. So college students. <laughs> 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 but I listened to a couple episodes, and um, it's very like like I said, it, it, everyone's gonna have a different take on it. But just having the conversations in general are you know that's that's what's gonna get stuff moving. So what do you think of ours? I like it. It's very like I like podcasts that can do like. The educational thing and still be like casual and fun and make jokes and stuff that's something that my podcast struggles with i'm a little too like formalized like we have jokes and we crack you know we kind of crack up and stuff but like it mostly relies on my guests to bring the bring the comedy i'm, I'm just there to to educate so just to just to let you know when we started this our, our idea was like me and him would just sit and talk for like two hours <laughs> in, in my office here and we're like we should record this. Like, it's kind of <laughs> funny. And he's like, nobody would listen to this. I'm like, I think people would listen. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's just kind of like shop talk and yeah. like just, you know, just when shooting the breeze. You'll notice when you become an ag teacher and you go to events, uh, ag teacher, like summer conference, region meeting and stuff like that. And then you get around other, you know, teachers and so forth. You, like, time will disappear at times. Yeah. Yes. You know, biggest thing is, after meetings and stuff like that, summer conference, and then, you know, you go to an establishment, have a couple sodas and <laughs> things like that, and then next thing you know, you're like, oh, crap, it's 2 a.m. <laughs> I got a meeting at 8 tomorrow. You still <laughs> drinking sodas at 2 a.m.? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of sugar. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, but that's, that's the, you know, I, CATA, which you'll be a member of, is an uh, organization that's been around for over 100 years, and... and the biggest thing on that is professional development, but then the, the outside stuff, that social element of it, that a lot of organizations struggle with. But CATA has that down pretty well. You know, we we value we value both the, the meetings and the professional development and and the workshops and things like that. But we also value those relationships, and I think mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why our organization has lasted for so long and has been so successful and, and strong. You know. Um, and so that's that's the beauty of it. And so when Chris says, "Yeah, we," like, yeah, and Chris and I have been friends for almost twenty years. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty close, close. to twenty years. Yeah. Um, and and you know, best man in, in weddings and, and things like that. And so you know, lived together, all all kinds of things. Um, so we would, you know, when he came, because uh, I came here part time and then came full time. And the year after I was here full time, we were able to hire Chris, and it was like, you know, uh, I don't know if it was rekindling, but building that bonding again because we're working <laughs> different places, you know, it, it 
we would talk, but not not as much. Not as much. <laughs> <laughs> I just handed Johnny a Kleenex because yeah. I feel like he might cry right now. <laughs> he I, uh, did when I when I, I ran for state office for CATA, and he did, did a speech and he cried. I wow! Know, no, he I did. Almost, yeah, you did. Yeah, you I did. there's did. proof of no, it. I didn't. I can see where the shop life comments come from. It wasn't necessarily about what I was saying. It was you stand in front of seven hundred ashes staring at you, and it's very intimidating. <laughs> And so it's kind of like. And then so I, you didn't I, cry for me? No. What? No. <laughs> this whole time I'm thinking he no. cried for me. I, 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 I was just super nervous because I, I don't like. I'm pretty sure I you I do cried. not like okay. public speaking. It freaks me out. Um, I can see where the shop wife comes from now. So, <laughs> so we, we would literally come in in the morning and the coffee maker, which this we cut back on our coffee usage a little bit, but we'd fill that thing up like two times a day. And we would just talk mm. and talk and talk. And it was always about what are we doing in classes? How do we make this better? And things like that. So that's the original idea of how we need to have podcasts. So. Yeah. No, I, I think that's – there's a reason that I like your guys' podcast for what it is because – a big thing that I've been trying to push a lot, especially lately, is bringing the humanity back to ag. I think a lot of a lot of you know ag folks get really you know focused on pushing the technology and the new methods and the you know we're trying to save the world and all this kind of stuff. And they forget to teach people that farmers are people too, and people in ag are you know the same as everyone else. We all go through the same kind of stuff. We have the same relationships. You know, we're all very tight knit as a group. And being able to show that through, you know, casual conversation, through some of those close relationships, through stories like that, you know, really shows people that ag is a lot more than just, you know, business people who are trying to make money off of land or off of, you know, crops or, or you know, just producing food in general. These are, you know, people's lives at stake. You know, there are people who dedicate everything they have to growing food for others and, and to benefiting the world as a whole. You know, I, I, that's why, <clears throat> excuse me, that's why I like having, you know, a lot more of, of your guys' type of podcast, which is very, you know, like I said, you can get down to business, but you still have like the, the, the humanity part of it too. People people think that you're actually people, not just, you know, not just, just college professors who just like to torture children. So <laughs> nobody thinks that, do they? <laughs> now I'm thinking. <laughs> not once they get to know us, I don't think for sure. No. <laughs> no. Young adults torturing. So you guys said you started the podcast more as kind of like a, a platform just to talk and, and have fun and that kind of stuff. So where did the did you guys start with the intention of, of having some educational stuff in there too, or is that kind of a byproduct? Oh yeah, no that the, the the education was definitely part of it, and and it's it's geared more towards ag teachers and I I would say kind of shop teachers, but not necessarily just shop teachers um, because there's things that you know we've experienced you know through our career that you know, like, okay, things that we've struggled with or, you know, things that have worked well for us. And, you know, so we want people to be able to kind of learn, you know, from some of that stuff. An emphasis on ag mechanics, but in ag education. So we're not, we're not doing a lot of like what you, I mean, we, we brought some people in from industry and, and things like that, but it, yeah. it's not necessarily, uh, our goal was to be very open. Yeah. And stuff. Well, our, our definite focus is ag mechanics, teaching ag mechanics and figuring out a way to help out new teachers. And we, our biggest thing was, okay, how do we put something together that would reach both the young teachers and, and the old school teachers? Yeah, because we're both in the middle of that pack, maybe a little bit more on the 
upper end of that pack, but we're <laughs> still in the middle of that pack, I think. Years-wise, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but in reality, there's probably less older teachers and more younger teachers, well, yeah. you know, so... You know, but but years wise, we're both in the middle, you know, kind of of our careers, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and you guys are in a prime position because you get to watch, you know, young teachers as they kind of reach that that first stage of their career. So, have, have you guys let any of that in, like, you know, obviously being able to see that, you know, that transition from college to first year teaching? You know, have you guys used some of that experience as fuel for your episodes or kind of some of the stuff you talk about or? Oh yeah, dude. I mean, <laughs> we sometimes we're like, uh, what are we going to talk about today? I'm like, dude, I got something. Like, yeah. <laughs> I had this stuff happen today, and like, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. We yeah. actually we've done that before, and we've had students that have listened to the podcast, and they're like, we've you mentioned students. us. You like, you know, I'm like, yeah, like not by name, but sure. like they knew we were talking about them. Yeah, um, well, because it really students is. Students that recently graduated, current students come on to as guests. So, hmm. I, I we looked at it as you, you never want to have to recreate the wheel in a lot of right. things and so there's so many resources out there and it's and one thing chris and i both tell all of our students that you probably heard because you were in you were just in chris's mm-hmm. class yeah is that hey i'm a resource so when you become a mm-hmm. teacher and it doesn't matter if it's year you know months away or years away you got a question whatever you have my you, know, you have all my contact information let me know that's what the whole my whole point purpose of my job is yeah we look at it, and it's not just in ag ed, but I mean, we have a lot of students that are ag business, ag com, um, plant science, IT, all those things. And, and I've had students, you know, full circle from all different majors reach out to me afterwards. Hey, we're doing this in my job right now. Can you send me the, the formulas on spraying just so I can refresh myself on that? Or I have a job interview in, in this area. You know, how, how do I calculate or estimating costs and things like that? So it's always, you know, um, the purpose is young professionals, and it doesn't matter if they go into teaching, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, I think that's kind of anchored in that, uh, but it's in general things that have to do with machinery, ag mechanics, and then uh, a lot of points on just how to be a teacher. And how to <laughs> I think some of the, some of, you know, why we do the podcast and, and, and other things is, you know, when you're an ag teacher at the high school level, you're going and doing competitions and you know you're involved and you're seeing all the other ag teachers but when you come here to fresno state you don't have those things you don't have fair you don't have you know competitions every weekend and so you kind of lose a little bit of touch with the high school teachers right and and you kind of you know have this like this wall that's kind of in between whether it's you know a perceived wall whether it exists or not there is a difference in you're not a high school teacher you're a college teacher and 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 there is a separation because of that and i think you know, between me and Johnny, we want to keep that, that react, that relationship with them. And so this is kind of one of those ways that we can help keep people involved and we can see what's going on with them as we interview them or, you know, just talk about like our experiences. We work with all the young teachers, you know, coming out of Fresno state here. And so we, you know, have that connection with them. And, you know, like you said, we want to, to help them out. And I feel like that's kind of our, one of the roles that we can play here at Fresno state is, is trying to help people out not to say that we know everything but you know we you know whatever we do know or whatever we have screwed up you know (laughs) take some of that advice and you know and 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 take it for what it's worth and learn from it and you know and be better you know because of it yeah 
No, I think that's a really valuable role to play. I mean, I, I know a lot of at least ag ed majors that and, you know, other ag majors as well that are going into their careers and have not that they have no idea what to expect, but they're not sure how they're going to handle the transition from, you know, school into the, the real world. And uh, a lot of a lot of ag ed teachers are worried about their, you know, their first few years of teaching, not, you know, not having help or, you know, their department not not giving them a hand or anything like that. So having somebody that they can count on to come back and say, hey. I don't know what I'm doing with this. Would you mind giving me some guidance? Or, you know, do you guys still have this resource? This, this is really helpful. I want to use this in my class or whatever. That could be huge for a lot of new teachers who are going through some of that anxiety. <clears throat> I also know that there are some some people who are considering, like, they want to teach, but they almost, like, are choosing not to because they are worried about some of the classroom stuff that they're not quite sure they're ready for. Like, they know all the ag stuff. They have the information they need, but they're not sure if they're going to be ready to handle students or if they're going to be ready to handle parents or if they're going to be ready to ha- – well, not sure everybody ready to handle parents, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, the meetings and the conferences and all that kind of stuff. And so having somebody who's been through it and who is now on the – you know, on the stage right before they go on for that that kind of role and, and can talk to them through it before they get there. I think, I think that's huge for a lot of people who are still on the fence about that. There, there are two values that we tend to forget because we get our bachelor's degree and we take some of the ag ed classes, but they don't really get you ready for, for classroom management. And even the credential program doesn't get you ready for classroom management. The classes themselves, what actually gets you ready for classroom management is student teaching. Mm. Um, because being in front of students and working through that because you're gonna fail 100% you know everybody every teacher has failed at that especially starting off but it's all about learning and overcoming that and so Mm. I I see my failure what did I do wrong what can I do better Um, and you know there's been some professional development stuff on on classroom management stuff Uh, though what's his name he taught us how not to smile. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Dean Archer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we, we were new professionals, and he had a workshop on classroom management. He's, you know, as far as, uh, you know, figuring out a way. You know, so, sometimes students do things, and you really, like, you personally, you want to laugh, right? <laughs> You're like, that was funny. <laughs> But I need to be the adult here, <laughs> and I can't laugh at this right now because I will lose all respect. And you know, uh, so a little trick to do that is to put the tongue on the roof of your mouth, huh, and it's wrong. very yeah. Just put pressure up, and you will almost keep a straight face. Like you almost have to force yourself to really smile. So if you huh. really want to, you can do that, and and you can keep a straight face. Good to know. I've done that messing with students before. Like just I've been messing around with them and like trying not to smile, like to try to keep a straight face, like I'm I'm pissed off at them. <laughs> <laughs> and I've just done that, and it works. It works. Huh. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. So I mean, that classroom management's tough, and I, yeah. everyone's afraid of like, oh, the students. Is student student teaching is kind of one of those things too, where you're you're afforded the ability to make those mistakes yeah. and really not have any repercussions barring something big well, yeah, I mean, yeah, don't yeah, hit yeah. a student <laughs> <laughs> no, from the master teacher's perspective is okay this is how he, this not he but this student teacher failed here's my advice on how to to do that better next situation comes did he did he learn from that or did he make the same mistake right he made the same mistake okay we need to work on this. Then you're not learning. learning. But if they, you know, and it's, it's all about that. I mean, your first, your ag teacher, um, 
Mr. Magnanimous. I taught with him for seven years, so I know the word. That's his favorite word. He told me, you know, I was I was living with Chris when it was his first year teaching, and I was supposed to actually student teach it later, but I ended up getting a job somewhere else. But he told me, you know, your first five years are are hard. Your first year is tough because you're just treading water, keeping your head above water. Second year's even harder because you're in your second year, but you still, you're taking on more responsibilities, but you don't have your curriculum down. Your third year is the hardest of your first five years. And then the reason why is you may have your curriculum set, but now you're overdoing it, trying to to do more on the, the intracurricular stuff, mm. the FFA and things like that, and taking on a lot more responsibilities. And, and it's, it's challenging. Fourth year gets better because your freshmen that you had are now seniors. Mm. It's about your fifth year is the easiest, the best year of your first five years. And that's because you're, Freshmen you had are now getting their American degree, and it's full circle. You're, I came into a program, we all come into a program where we replace a teacher. That teacher had his group prior to that's not graduated, and it's like, oh, well, that's not how that person did it. It's like, okay, I don't care how that person did This is how I'm going to do it. And so it's overcoming and building those relationships. Yeah. But, but after I'll, four years, you get a whole brand new stick. <laughs> I will tell you this, though. The best way to overcome any classroom management issues is building rapport and relationships with students. Hmm. Yeah, forget the curriculum side of things, forget whatever, you know, and curriculum's important, don't get me wrong, but if you can't build those relationships with students, you will not get them to learn the curriculum you're trying to teach. They will just be a pain in the butt. You essentially want to get the kids to where they would jump off a bridge because you told them to. <laughs> I don't want any student to jump off. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, yeah. like that's essentially like the kind of you know, like you want them to like be like, all right, like I'm gonna I'm gonna listen and follow and you know because they respect you. Yeah, interesting. Some of the best advice I got for classroom management was from Kevin Coolwine, hmm. and he told me when I was student teaching, he said, "Nip the small stuff in the butt, and the big stuff will handle itself." Hmm. He's like, when you first start a class. If something, somebody does something small that you would normally say, I don't really care, I'm going to let that go, hammer them on it. Because when you hammer them on those things, right at the beginning, the kids go, oh, I don't <laughs> mess around. <laughs> and then that hand, and it does. It, you know, and that was some of like, the best advice that I ever got. You know, I, I, had, I hated stools in my engine shop. Oh, two reasons. One, they'd sneak over to the, uh, the welding shop and steal them from there. And it, I just, you know... This is my engine shop. I don't want stools. It's lazy. We're going to be on our feet. So it was like the second week, and I forgot what year it was. It was like 2014 or whatever. And I just, second week, I start seeing the stools. The third week, I start seeing the stools. And I, I'm going to end this. So I, I walk in one day in the shop. We go, we're out there working, and, and one student's sitting in a stool and a couple others. And I was like, stand up. And he's like, what? Stand up. And so he stood, stood up. I grabbed the stool, and I threw it across the shop. I don't want any more stools in here. Like really angry, pissed off, you know, trying to not laugh about it, whatever. <laughs> Didn't have a student, a single stool anymore that semester. Wow. I don't, violence is not the issue. <laughs> I think we need to learn from that. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing a stool across the room? I was making an example. <laughs> so, so, so two lessons from, from John Williams. The curriculum doesn't matter and always throw stools. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's the doctor for you. <laughs> Uh, no, that's awesome. But 
No, my my audience will well hopefully at this point will will remember the name Kevin Coolwine forever because he was my first interview and he was by far my most popular episode and to this day some of like he was the biggest supporter of this podcast by a long shot so all of the stuff that he instilled in me has by you know by proxy translated into the podcast in a lot of ways so people will definitely hear that and be like oh that sounds familiar yeah um, but no it, it's something that like. I've always been kind of curious about this as I know her where I stand on this, but I've always been curious on an ag teacher's perspective with other industries. You know, we always encourage like people getting internships and going off and trying that, you know, trying it before they graduate and going into that career. Like I help with a lot of like FFA chapters. I coach a couple teams in Hanford. I still help out, help out to Larry's extent team. You know, I still help out with some of the showmanship stuff. Would you guys encourage ag ed students or anyone who's going into any kind of educational industry to get the get the experience with students before they go into their credential or student teaching if they have an opportunity absolutely Mm. Um, because all of that is going to help you understand how to deal with people how to work with them Um, and you know and like here like at Fresno State you do classes on like how to teach and you do these mock teaching things but it's different and there's no way it's no fault of, of anybody of anybody but like when you are teaching your peers and you're pretending like you are a classroom, it is not the same as an actual classroom. And it's not, you don't have the same, like you get nervous in front of your peers. You know what I mean? When you do presentations, do mm-hmm. you get nervous? Oh, absolutely. Every, most everybody does, <laughs> right? You know, and you might think, oh, how am I gonna teach if I can't even go up in front of my peers? But kids, students, whether, even if it's college kids where you guys are adults, it's still different, right? Mm-hmm. Because you guys, we're not necessarily peers. You know, we're not like, you know, at that level, you are a student and, and that's what it is. And, and, and I'm the teacher, mm-hmm. right. And, and there's a very distinct difference there. So any, any experience involved in it is going to be good. And most, most people that are ag ed, I would say a majority of them were in an ag ed program when they were in high school. Not everybody, you know, some people don't have that experience. And I mean, we've had some, like Melissa who wasn't, you know, she was in, involved in 4-H. Yeah. Some of the best ag teachers in my mind have never been we're never in FFA or right. Yet. You know, you're just no, it doesn't. It definitely doesn't mean like you don't have to to do that. But some people mm-hmm. understand those things. But if you don't understand it, you should get involved so that mm-hmm. way you know what you're getting yourself into and and you understand you know all those dynamics. And and experience is only going to make you better. The more experience you have, the better off you're going to learn. Aging myself again. <laughs> <laughs> when I graduated high school, I two thousand one. Um, I was a year old. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I presented Greenhand conferences for three years, for three years, and then presented conferences within other organizations, not just ag, after for almost eight years total, Uh, but full-time Greenhand conferences for two years. And at that time, we took a semester off of school, so... Mm. And we we did every single Green Hand conference. It's changed. The programs changed now. They they hire you know a bunch of students um, to present conferences throughout whatever. Um, so that that actually helped me because I learned a lot about how to teach. And you think about it, you go to a conference in front of freshman high school kids who are away from school, who are excited to be away from school, thinking they're going to this super fun activity that their ag teacher said. And they get there and they have to do workshops that, quite frankly, are kind of boring, in a sense. And how do you how do you manage that? And mm. it was painful the first couple of conferences, mm. um, and that's where I learned a lot of my you know building rapport and, and 
and things like that. Because when I graduated high school, I didn't even know what rapport, rapport was. Like, what's, what's that? What are you talking Did you say about? we're poor? Rapport. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, so that, that did help me as far as the teaching-wise goes. Mm. Um, but, yeah, getting any type of experiences. I was able to do a uh, migrant scholars program here mm. where it was like fourth, fifth, and sixth graders, I believe. Wow. Um, and it was during the summer right before I started student teaching. Uh, and I ran out of stuff to do with these, with these kids. And let me tell you, you never want to run out of stuff. <laughs> you will. You will do it at one time in your career, but oh. you hopefully you will only do it once because when you run out, you're like, okay, that's it. In your mind, you're like, oh, this is a great PowerPoint. This is the last. You know, I'm going to be able to cover this for three days. And like 25 minutes into your first lecture, you're done with all – like, uh, it, it's why, Brendan, sometimes in class, you might have recognized that I might have spent 15 minutes on one slide. <laughs> like, oh, I you, learn, you learn how to BS. <laughs> <laughs> he just likes to hear himself talk. <laughs> why do you think we started the podcast? <laughs> I mean, that is like a, a running joke in the podcast community. All podcasters like to hear their own voice. I mean, they have to, right? But <laughs> no, that's, I mean, and I think with, even with like, with littler kids, it's even more of, a, of an issue because, you know, you're, it, that's a whole right. different level of, of like, you have to keep their attention the entire time or else they're just going to wander off. You're not going to be able to keep them. But, um, cause I, I've, I've worked with some, some littler kids in that, in that regard too. Uh, over at, you know, the international Agri center, we have the ag ventures, uh, mm-hmm. department. I helped out with them for a year or a couple of years. We did like some educational videos for little kids. We did like some tours and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I've, uh, been doing little ag lessons with my girlfriend's little siblings cause they're not, they're not ag people. You know, they're very new to the ag world. I've been kind of introducing them, but like I do like little lesson plans, we do, like little PowerPoints on like intro to animal science. We'll talk about, you know, the, the main species of livestock and all that kind of stuff. And they're like, 12 10 8 like you know little kids and they're like all into it like now like every time they see you know if they're driving by a dairy they see a cow like that's a whole scene i'm like yeah good job you know like <laughs> you got it great you know but like trying to keep their like every five seconds they're like wanting to like you know talk amongst amongst each other i'm like guys you know we gotta gotta get through this i only have another hour before i have to go to work so we have to get through this lesson and you know it's it's like like the the level you're teaching and what you're teaching is all going to you know vary on on what level of of you know commitment you have to have to each type of lesson plan or like how much preparation you go you go into it with or how much BSing you have to do to get through a lesson <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah. <clears throat> My son, uh, when he was I think four, I took him to the farm show. And we're in the Kubota booth. Yeah, I remember this. <laughs> and my son's walking around as four years old telling my mom, because she met us over there, what the types of tractors oh. were. Like, you know, oh, that's a back that's, load. A, that's, a, that's, this, this, whatever, whatever. that's a front loader. <laughs> the service manager or the sales manager or whatever for Kubota was just listening. He's like, I don't even have salesmen that know all this. <laughs> he went in and got John like the most expensive tractor and walked out and said, Hey, here you go. You know, you're doing good. And my son, you know, at that time was like, Oh, yeah. You know, got this brand new tractor set. And he's like, just amazed. I was like, Yeah, well, that's all the kid does is look at tractors. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. He was, uh, I was doing tractor safety training. He's only eight now. And, um, some of the students were struggling, you know, the fear of getting on a tractor or whatever. And he was, he walked out, he saw it, he saw the door to the tractor open, he gets in, starts it, and drives away. <laughs> and they're looking at each other, he's like, yeah, you know, he drives his <laughs> 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 I was like, see, an eight-year-old can do it, you can do it. <laughs> um, yeah. 
no, that's funny. That, that was always the difference in my brother and I. My brother was the one that was driving tractors at eight years old, and I was, you know, to this day still terrified of tractors. And he, I was always the one that was running out. You know, I, I would get knocked around by, you know, by a steer or two, and get back up and you know grab him and walk him around. And you know, he'll he'll walk a heifer for for five steps, and as soon as it flops over, he just drops it and he's done. He can't deal with it anymore. So like we're just. Very, very different people. You know the nice thing about shop versus animal? What's that? The only thing you're going to kill in a shop is yourself. It's true. <laughs> kill somebody else. Well, yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean. Like, you're, you know, you're not going to kill. The, the, the wood on the tree is already dead. I'm going to milk the iron <laughs> <laughs> And if I do, there's something wrong with iron <laughs> uh, No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Now, from, from a logistics perspective, I, I understand that there's a lot more common sense in being afraid of animals than being afraid of, of tractors, but... For some reason, it just never clicked with me. I, I can't do machinery, but you can give me a, a raging bull all day, and I can I can you know walk into like like it was something I you know. Let's do like back that's why hand. there's there's people built to do certain things. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They they enjoy certain things and they don't. You know? Yeah. I mean, my nickname in high school was the cow whisperer for a reason. I was meant for this job. <laughs> uh, you should be an agri mechanics teacher. <laughs> <laughs> no, Madera's told me that we were on a flight back from. Um, <laughs> We were on a flight back from Indy, my last year of nationals, and it was just him and I. We were—I was the only kid in the entire chapter that went for some reason. Um, so he was real happy with me for making him go to Indy. <laughs> <But> <laughs> we were on our way back, and uh, you know, we're, we're in the plane, and uh, he starts off by by saying, you know, because he knew I had I had a, you know deathly fear of heights. It's like you know, there's only like a, a few feet of metal between you and like thousands of, of, of feet of falling, and I was like. Thanks for that. I was getting to sleep, but you know, now I can't. Are you afraid and of heights or are you afraid of falling? I'm afraid of falling. That's, that's the better, yeah. Is it falling or is it landing? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. Falling would be fun. Landing. It's the landing that would suck. See, you I, wouldn't feel yeah. it, though. Yeah. yeah. Initially, you would. <laughs> no, <laughs> the you very would. first impact, you, you would, would definitely. You would pass out before you even hit the ground. Yeah, not necessarily. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. The, the falling for me makes it kind of Like, I can't do, like, droppers and, like, you know, like, amusement parts. Like, something about, like, the fe the feeling of, like, not being on the ground just makes me anxious. But, um. I don't know if it's that. It's probably the lack of control. Yeah, that's that's a good thing. That's, that's something, too. The same reason I don't like being underwater for too long. Like, I feel the need to, like get out because i'm like i'm not in control of my situation like claustrophobic yeah kind of way yeah it's like well. it's weird but but, no, get, not really. but you'll get in a pen with a bull yes <laughs> okay <laughs> but <laughs> williams doesn't do anything dangerous <laughs> we've talked about this on the on, on on the podcast like he's very like if it could kill me i'm not gonna do it like he barely wants to drive his truck because of accidents and stuff yeah. no, that's see, not true. <laughs> see that one i understand i was terrified of driving for the first couple years of my like drivable experience i i think my license i was 18. i was just making that up there, yeah but, but there are but I, there are risks that i will not take yeah like, there's, there's, see but with know. animals like i i can predict animal behavior like i know they say it's like unpredictable and like to some degree it is but like i could i could watch it i could watch a bull go back and forth like i could tell you exactly what that bull's gonna do like I just I know animal behavior that's something that I've always grown up knowing my sister trains horses for a living that's something that's like it's in my blood like you you could give me any animal and I could I could tell you what it's going to do and how to avoid getting hurt if you give me any kind of machinery I could not tell you the first thing about what, how it works I, or what to do I with hope it. that you can tell a little bit more well yeah now okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh thank god <laughs> yes now now I, can I haven't submitted it. grades yet so I <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but speaking generally you know like yeah. I can I can tell you more about an animal than I could about any kind of machinery okay. so other than being a cow whisperer <laughs> uh, 
Have you ever used a, a, a hand drill? Yeah, so I've used I've used okay. a lot of like like hand, like like small power power animal or power, you know, you know power drill power tools. A handheld drill is like the most dangerous tool you can offer. I'd believe it, but I that's like and one of the ones I'm. That's one of the ones I feel the most comfortable you can with. Do it with. Anything. I think just large. Nothing for fear there. I think just large machinery intimidates me. You know what's ironic? The things that scare people the most, I'm not. I'm not afraid of, and the things that people are the most comfortable with, I'm terrified of. So like, I I can speak in front of a thousand people and not break a sweat. But give me like a. Becomes an ag teacher. (laughs) (laughs) But give me like a like a uh, any kind of. I'm gonna call you up one time. I'm doing a committee report. He's not. He's not afraid of spiders, but bunnies. (laughs) 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 <laughs> no, but like that, you know, like you could, like I'll be in a room with a snake, and I'll be like, oh, that's cool. But like, I, you know, like you put me, like you say, hey, you need to go, go spray some trees with this tractor. I'm like, can I do anything else? Like, I, I don't care if you're paying me. I, I'd rather go, go play with the snake. Like, that's just, I, I, my dad to this day cannot figure out what it is because he, him and my brother are very mechanical. My dad's like in between, right? He's like the mechanical guy and he's the animal guy. Like he's got best of both worlds. My brother and I went opposite paths. Like my brother is. All mechanics, he does very little with animals, and I'm all animals, public speaking, like, you know, that kind of stuff. I do very little with mechanics. It's a perfect duo to take over a farm, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Run brother does animals, one does mechanics. You know, yeah. you find your niche. You find what you're comfortable with, what you like to do. I have a twin brother, okay? I went all the way through to get a terminal degree in college and all that stuff. My brother took one college class, so I'm done. And he, he teaches inmates how to cut meat now, you know? So, but he was all about... You know, butchering animals. I mean, he started that when he was like 14. Um, actually, before that, we actually started chickens and turkeys and poultry, which is gross. But, uh, <laughs> um, but that's that was his thing, you know. Mm. And he was not, you know, when he built his butcher shop, he knew how to weld. But he was like, I need you to come and weld some of this stuff up. So I would go and do that, um, and then you know, soldering pipe and things like that. It was out of his element, but I. You know, I can I can cut a steak, but I can't butcher a cow. Just, yeah. Not that I really want to do. No. Yeah. Yeah. I'll eat it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll be the taste tester, but yeah. <laughs> no. But that was like the big thing. So like when I was in the play on Madaris, he's like, "Yeah, you got you know only a few feet until you fall to your death." And I was like, "Thanks, that made me feel better." I was gonna sleep. I can't now. And then he goes on to tell me like, "Yeah, you should be a you should be an ag mechanics teacher." I was like, "Madaris, what makes you think I'm gonna trust anything you say now that you're telling me I'm gonna fall to my death?" <laughs> but <laughs> you. <laughs> coffee <laughs> <laughs> but um no he was telling me you know, like the usual like yeah we need you know there's a shortage of them we need a lot of them i was like i understand that but i don't want to be responsible for kids having to deal with heavy machinery when i can't even do it myself and so we got into this whole conversation about it and he was like i think you'd be a great ag mech teacher i was like i think i'll be a great ag teacher anything but mech i think i'll do fine with but like that was like the big you know the big thing when i well even today but that was a big thing when i was graduating is like you should be go you know go be an ag mech teacher and i was like i just i don't think so and i talked to roca about it and he was like don't do ag mech if you don't want to do ag mech like yeah. if, if you're not completely comfortable with it that's not gonna be your thing so <clears throat> have you, you haven't taken small engines yet hmm. you have you have that with me next semester? Uh, I tried to get next semester. It was full, so I was the following semester. Why don't you email me? Because I had space. Oh. <laughs> well, not, <laughs> not anymore, but. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know. But I am taking welding next semester, so. Well, that works out because you wouldn't have been able to take both anyways. Yeah. Oh. The labs are at the same time. Or oh. lecture. No. 
Maybe that's what it was. I have a Friday. I have a Friday lab on that one, so it wouldn't wouldn't necessarily conflict. Um, So, is mechanics to you? Is that like like a no go when you're teaching? Like, if they're like, "Hey, we need you to teach this AgMech one class," or there's a job available and there's like one AgMech class, is that like a I'm out, or is it I can maybe deal with it? If it was. If it's intro, I could do intro. Okay. Um, like some of the more advanced stuff, I'm not sure I'd feel comfortable enough. Like just for the sake of, I don't want to be responsible for these kids right. getting bad, bad ed- education because I'm not qualified for it. Um, it's not so much that I'd be like nervous about like handling the machinery. Like I could, I could get over that for my job, but I want the kids to get the best education they could. And I feel like if it was an intro class, I could learn enough to be comfortable enough to teach an intro classes. I, you know, I, I right now I feel like I feel like I could teach an intro animal animal science and plant science class pretty easily. Um, so I, I want to be comfortable enough that I could teach intro wherever I go, no matter what the subject is. Um, as we started getting into like the more advanced stuff, if I had more practice and more experience, like maybe after the the welding and small engines classes, I'll feel more comfortable with that kind of stuff. But right now that might be something I'd have to say, like, you know what, I appreciate the offer, but you might want to find someone more, more qualified yeah. for that. For me, floral was that thing. Yeah. Like, I did not, I had no <laughs> desire to teach a floral class. I would have taught, like, pretty much anything else, but a floral class, no. Yeah. I, I taught an OH class. I, I loved the, I loved the OH class. The OH class was, was fun. I was going to teach... I was going to teach a chemistry class potentially, or an ag government econ class potentially, and I would have done that. Yeah, but floral, no, yeah, I'm out. Floral. Yeah, I, <laughs> but for me, but like that—that's what I'm saying. No for me, I, I yeah. would hate ag bio. I could not. For me, I did. Te- I did. I did teach. See, ag and I would bio. love to teach ag bio. That'd be like my my dream right there. I wouldn't. I didn't love teaching ag bio, but you know. But everybody, everybody's got their little things, and everybody's right. got their like, no, I won't do this or. I don't really want to, but I'm willing, you know, like I'm willing to do those things. Right. And, you know. and I think a big thing with it, too, is like you're able to have a respect for that thing, even if you couldn't couldn't teach it yourself. Like, you know, growing up watching my dad and my brother, like I have full respect for Ag Mac. I think it's a, you know, it, if you can do that, props to you. I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> you can. You just not to. You That's, can. You just don't. You, yeah, you don't have you don't you don't have that desire and, yeah. that, and that passion and, and, and stuff like that. Yeah. I like that econ, except for I. I I taught one year. I taught it was during an election, and so uh, we actually no longer did econ. It was all about government because <laughs> I, I like talking about government. Didn't you teach your econ kids that as supply goes up, so does demand? <laughs> no. <laughs> I talk about prices. And I got me yeah, yeah, think about it. <laughs> and I had a couple sodas. You guys won't let me down. I'll let me off of that. One time he was t- he was teaching he and was teaching econ then, then, and he then, literally then, told then, us hey as supply goes up so does no, demand I'm like no I think you got that wrong I think you got that wrong John he's like I teach econ I know I'm like I that's sure hope that that's why he just taught government about prices and supply and whatever and, and not an engineer an insurance agent was like no you're wrong and I'm like you teach you, you sell insurance you know, what kind of business really is that you call hey do you want insurance you need it yeah okay. <laughs> You okay there? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Goes to do a a twenty minute rant about insurance. (laughs) Do you know who I am? (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Kind of got awkward now. It did. Yeah, yeah, you kind of went off. We're we're a little bit nervous. We don't no. know. <laughs> where no. where do we step now? <laughs> don't spit it out. 
Yeah, not not in the equipment. I do spit it out. It could go all over you. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so the reason you are minoring in MCJ is just to increase your, you know, ability to do podcasts and things like that. Or do you think it would overtake your career, and make you not want to teach? On my way to, on my on my path through college, I've kind of gone back and forth for a while. Like when I was at COS, so cause I, I was a transfer from COS. I don't know if I mentioned that. Um, while I was still at COS, I heavily considered just switching straight to AgCom and just doing that because I really enjoyed doing the podcast. At that time, I was helping out Adventures with their video series. I was like, maybe, maybe I can do education stuff just like as a outside of the classroom type career and the more I got into it the more I realized that I really like the curriculum side of things I like designing lesson plans I like going into the you know the actual like classroom you know uh, interaction type stuff I well, love I'm cut you off right there. he just said he liked doing lesson plans yes yeah I heard that <laughs> <laughs> I do I I, yeah. I I can show you the one I'm working yeah, on right no, now well so I, I started working on this curriculum that I, I had to, I, this idea for a class I wanted to start um, I actually talked to Roka about starting it here, and he said that if I decided to do my master's, I could teach that as my master's project, which would be really cool if I get to do that. But um, I realized that I like the classroom too much to not teach in it, at least for a little while. I want to at least give it a chance. I, I've been going back and forth if I want to stick to just high school, if I want to teach on the college level. Um, my, uh, which you guys know, you know Charlie Ab over at COS, he was, he was my teacher over there. Um, I went and talked to him for a little I'm while sorry. about it. <laughs> uh, uh, he's actually one of the ones that um, told told me about your podcast in the first place. He's like, "Have you guys, have you heard of this podcast?" I was like, "No," <laughs> um, but I talked to him a little bit about it, and he kind of told me, you know, like, "Hey, you know, you should think about going to high school for a little bit and then going to college, kind of seeing what your options are." Um, so I've been kind of all over the place. Right now, my plan is to teach high school for a little while, maybe go into college, but do educational projects on the side, um, you know, whether it be the podcast or like, you know, some other outside of the classroom type experience stuff, um, you know, video series type stuff or working with some of those nonprofits like Ag in the, Cla- or Ag in the Classroom is a classroom based one, but um, uh, Teach Ag or like some of those other like educational based ones that are focused on like outreach and advocacy and, and you know, as opposed to the curriculum kind of stuff. Cause just because I, I like all of it, but I don't know which direction I want to like stick to forever. So I'm kind of, I'm at like a crossroads right now. <clears throat> kind of feel it out and see. Yeah. I mean, you could do a podcast still and teach. And yeah. You can kind of manage some of those things. You can even, you know, like, like I could see you like teaching and then incorporating some of that stuff into your teaching and maybe even utilizing classes to kind of, you know, get some of that stuff there. Cream and adcom class. Right, that, yeah. That, like know, the state would adopt yeah. thing, that would be really good. You know, I mean <laughs> if you like writing lesson plans, what about curriculum? You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like that's that's kinda like the next level, right? Lesson, yeah. you know, because lesson plans are very now and immediate, but curriculum is like, you know, it's like the whole thing. Right. You know, and so that's developing too. developing yeah. some of those things to where, you know, there's their competitions even or different things, yeah. you know, like uh, utilizing some of those. Maybe we have like a podcast competition or something. Ooh, like that. that'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. I, yeah. I don't want to write anything uh, up on that. So, I mean, that would be something. I mean, when I, what is it? When I, when I was still in high school, like my, uh, my first, like my first idea as an ag teacher when I was like, I'm going to be an ag teacher, I wanted to teach some kind of like, uh, ag public speaking or like ag communication style class and like more of like the leadership sense but as I've gotten more into like the podcasting side of things I have thought about the possibility of having some kind of 
um, like ag advocacy almost style class. So it's focused more on reaching out to the public as opposed to just going back and teaching more students, which like, you know, teaching students is great, but there's a, there's a lot of people focusing on teaching students. There's not a lot of people focusing on teaching everyone else. Well, so you were, you were talking earlier about all the other podcasts you know, right. that are ag education. And I kind of thought earlier, I didn't say it, but I kind of thought that you wanted to create like a global network, you know? That, like, <laughs> so you can just utilize your students to have them create different podcasts there you go. that you can then... Then he could... His students could win ag ed proficiency every year. Right. Yes. Yeah. Like the state. So you help them I, set up their own <laughs> podcast, but then you you're like the owner of this global network of all these. <laughs> like like you're, this is your direction. This is your direction. You know and you and, know when I started working with some of the other ag podcasters because we did some some side excuse me some some side projects we were going to do some crossovers it hadn't quite happened yet um, but we I did do some work with some other ag ed podcasters and we talked about starting like a little like ag ed coalition in the podcasting community like a little like you know you guys are focusing on teaching elementary school you guys are focusing on high school i'm focusing on the general public like we all have like different divisions of education um you know just kind of like working together on like you know something similar to like a network of that of that sort that could be a cool project for high school students to kind of take under their wing there are a lot of FA chapters that are kind of working on developing podcasts um i actually start uh, started helping uh, hanford develop their podcast um mr Ferrer over there reached out to me he was like hey can you help my, you know, my, my historian, she wants to start a podcast for the chapter. Would you be able to help her? So I sat down with her, gave her like the basics of, you know, what she needs to start it and kind of what, you know, what to expect going into it and that kind of stuff. So it's, the potential's there. I just kind of need to work out the kinks and then propose it, you know, once I start teaching. No. <laughs> See, I told you, a little global network, you know? <laughs> <laughs> He's going to create this, and he's going to forget. Oh, safety glass. They're not a part of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I've been keeping the list of all the people who give me ideas. I I already freaking – Dave Catano already told me when I become famous, I have to I have to let everyone know that he was the one that, that started it all. But You don't have to. I, you don't <laughs> have to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. But, no, I mean, there's cool stuff out there. I just need to – I need to kind of focus in right now and get my stuff done so I can well, get you know, and, and some people don't realize that it's a lot of work. Yeah. You know, it is, you know, to kind of, you know, come up with stuff to create content to, you know, that, that people are going to want to listen to. Right. And, you know, it's, and then the editing process, people don't understand that, you I know, know. <laughs> the, the conversation that we're having right now may or may not be in its entire length, you right. know, like we, we just did one the other day and, and I've, we had like a break. Somebody came in and, you know, we edited it and I was telling Johnny, I was like, Oh, this is so seamless. Like, you know, like yeah. people aren't going to tell that there was actually a break there because until like you, you can edit it. it and then the break just <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Until it doesn't uh, record yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> How are they going to know? There's only like They'll 20 minutes know. missing. I talk a lot of crap, but Chris, you know, I call him the executive producer. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. He actually really runs it. I don't, I just talk. I mean, that's the magic of podcasting. Like with a video, you could tell where the cuts are because you see it, but with, with a podcast, nobody has to know. Yeah. I, I just edited a, um, a teaser for my new season coming out. Uh, I posted it yesterday, and I put a bunch season. of... He has a I'm, telling you, I'm telling you, he's more advanced <laughs> than we are. We're just, Not necessarily. We're just on, ongoing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for my, for my new season, I, I have... Um, I'm bringing back all of my, my favorite guests from older episodes, and I'm doing kind of like a mini segment in there that are like the like the what ifs, like conversations that I've had that could have been episodes that never were. I'm bringing guests that 
from, from those conversations on. So like, you know, this is an example of one of those. And like, I want to have Roka on there because he's been begging me to be on it for forever. <laughs> uh, he won't admit that. <laughs> <laughs> I just. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Roka's been begging me. To be like, Sorry, Roka, you're not cool enough. You know what? You know what that means? We're we're cooler than Roka. <laughs> uh, no, he he hasn't said it, but he's he's been bringing it up enough that I I can tell. So I I, I offered him. He was like, yeah, sure, whatever. But you know that means like yes. When do, so when are you gonna have Fine. me on your podcast? <laughs> I'm but, free Friday. <laughs> but um, no, just having you know having like a mini series of like the like they haven't been guests before, but they would have been you know on that list anyway if we, if they would have been guests kind of thing. Um, so I, I spliced together a bunch of like clips from the episodes I've recorded so far, and like did like a little like uh, like radio sound effect of like you know tuning in between channels. So it's like one episode you tune to another episode, and you tune to another episode kind of thing. Nice. And like I had to clip it down to make it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had to clip it down to make it sound like because I'm, I'm taking a sound bites from episodes, but they're not like from the same part of that episode. I'm taking like three different parts and splicing them together and like making it sound like it was all one coherent sentence is really hard when you do it right it sounds really cool and you're like man like you know you gotta high five yourself because you actually did something good yeah podcast magic yeah. Yeah. all that stuff just went over johnny's <laughs> <laughs> he's like what <laughs> uh, i i think i have enough content now that i could probably make johnny say anything that i want <laughs> Because That's, all you need is just the word. I just need yes. you to say the word. And every time you say a word, I can take that word. Yeah, you said you could do this. No, I didn't. He's like, look, play you hit play. It was in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no. and, and he's going to be like, damn it, I did say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the other thing I've learned is like the scary part of, of audio editing. You're like, man, I can be anyone that's been on my show say anything I want. Like, what was that that one uh, news anchor? Oh my gosh, that they had that song uh, that they they made him sing. Oh, Brian. Yeah, uh, on NBC, Brian Williams. Yeah, <laughs> and they what was the song that they made him? Have you, you've seen that video? Yeah. I'm sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that right there is a prime example of oh, what yeah. you can do with with editing. Uh, yeah, that one like original like rap song, right? Like, the first rap song, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's funny. Uh, well, that's all cool. Yeah. Do you have any questions for us? Any more questions for us? Um, I mean, not that I think off the top of my head. I mean, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. I mean, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Um, yeah. 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 Any questions for him? I think I think I've asked everything yeah. that I wanted to. There there was one thing though, Johnny, that you said before we started recording, and you said you were going to bring it up uh, about I this. I, I'm kind of uh, this I'm, is your moment because uh, I am <laughs> I am bringing you into this because. <laughs> what do we got? <laughs> okay, so when we first started, I was like, "Hey, we're going to keep this uh, granola." <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're like what? I mean, <laughs> organic? I'm like, yeah, orga okay, okay. <laughs> so uh, granola, Gran like a granola bar. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> get the right letters in there. It's the wrong it, order. It's the more. Maybe he was it. thinking of an organic no, 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 granola bar. To, uh, <laughs> yeah, that could be. It's, I'm trying to phrase this to where it doesn't come off like bad. Typically, and I am not a judgmental person, but... <laughs> it's a great way to start a sentence. People who tend to be a little more earthy, uh, that <laughs> like organic food and, and, and you know, hybrids and, and things, things like that. The, 
when you say when you say you're not a judgmental person before you're about to say something, that's like saying I'm not racist. But you kind of know something well, racist is probably going to come out. Or it, it, granola is just a phrase I put that general group of. They're very granola, and I got. So you're saying like like hippies and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so I got mixed up between that and organic at the end of the semester. Yeah. People have enough labels to worry about. You don't have to have people going in there like, hey, these granola carrots. Like, <laughs> yeah. Are they going to go to their stores and be like, I only buy granola food? People are going to be like, what are you talking? And then the, somebody's going to make a label and you're going to have a whole new issue. Like, uh, see what you've done. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a good thing he's not an influencer. <laughs> nah, uh, uh, I influence awesome. students' minds to learn and make their own decisions. That's what I I like that. Cool. Teachers are, are the are the good kind of influencers, usually. Hopefully. That's that's the goal. Hopefully. Yeah. But. Well, cool. Well, thanks for being on. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad I met you. <laughs> I've seen you, but never actually met you. And yeah. So Chris was really excited. Hey, we, we got a, a real podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. okay, well, we're going to look bad during this whole thing, but okay, let's put them on, you know? So. <laughs> nah, for, from, from what I can tell, you guys are a, a bit more advanced than I am in terms of equipment. I just have more experience, and what that really means is I've made more mistakes than you have, so I've been able to fix them a lot faster. Yeah. Yeah. No, mistakes happen all the time. Cool. Well, yeah. if anyone has any questions, or uh, Chris will actually put um, Brendan's podcast link up. Yeah, yeah, I will uh, put that in the, in the description you know, notes there. Know, if you have any questions, reach out, um, text, email, whatever. Yep. We'll talk to you later. All right. Thank you. So there you have it. That is the first episode back uh, after our long hiatus. So I hope you all enjoyed it. And uh, again, once again, go ahead and check out Safety Glasses Required. I'll link it all down in the description so you guys can go hear it and uh, show Mr. McKenna and Mr. Williams, actually Dr. Williams, some uh, well-deserved attention. Right now, I am currently at the FIRA or FIRA conference, and I will be posting all kinds of content about that. Next week, I will post a full video slash episode about the conference and how it went and some of the great innovations and some clips from the different uh, panels I was able to watch. So have an eye out for that. But uh, once again, thank you so much for listening. Go check out Safety Glasses Required and show them some love, and I'll catch you all next week. And don't forget, if you ate today... Thank a farmer.